we are moving right along. We're in um, our series entitled Unlocking Heaven. And uh, so what we have been doing is we have been studying some of the great prayers of the Bible, because in part, we believe that if we're going to be effective in our prayer life, then it's probably a good idea to study those who prayed in the Bible and try to somehow pattern ourselves so that we can have the same kind of results uh, that they had. And so we kicked off this series uh, week one and we talked about uh, the model for prayer or the blueprint for prayer. And we gave an outline that was based on the Lord's prayer in terms of how we ought to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done as it is on earth and all of that. And so that was sort of an outline for us to follow as we pray. And so we explored that in great detail. Last week, uh, for those who were here, we talked about, we explored the prayer of Jehoshaphat. He was a man who was uh, under siege. There was a whole bunch of nations that was coming against him. His nation, Israel or Judah, was on the brink of annihilation. And uh, we studied his prayer and saw how the God, because of his prayer, brought them a great and mighty victory. And so today I want to talk to you about intercessory prayer. And we're going to talk specifically today about Moses' prayer that we just read here in Exodus chapter number 32, verses 11 down to verse number 14. I want to begin, before I jump into Moses, I just want to make a couple of comments and give you a couple of verses that kind of set the stage for where we're going to go with this. But I want to say this, I think it's important, because we're referred to as the body of Christ, the church. All those who are in Christ, we are called the body of Christ. And that tells me two things. It tells me, number one, that we obviously belong to Jesus. We're his people. He's our master. He's our Lord. He's our ruler. Secondly, it tells me also that we are interdependent on one another. He made us a body. He says, the hand can't say to the eye, I have no need of you, because we are all tied together. And God has called us, the church, to evolve around a sense of community. And when I say community, I simply mean uh, uh, that we do life together. That we're called to do life together, which means that we have to share our struggles and we're to share the things that we're uh, battling with because all of us on some level, if you are a Christian, and particularly if you are very serious about your faith, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be uh, facing some opposition. You're going to face some oppositions from Satan himself. You're going to face the, the challenges of the, of the world that it naturally brings. And, and so when we have that sense of community, when we're kind of doing life together, and, we, and, and when we begin to really understand the process of opening up our lives in really authentic ways, then we can find ways of how to pray for one another. I was sitting yesterday, and I, me and Walter had a, had a, a wonderful chat. I hope you don't mind me saying this. And, and one of the things that I said to him after, I said, well, we talked for about, I don't know, about an hour. And I said, I, I said to him, I said, brother, thank you so much. And I sent him a text later. I said, because in my sharing and talking with you, I know better now how to pray and how to serve you. Some of us are going through things that we don't understand the power of intercession. And, and I believe that there are some prayers. And I, I, want, I want to be careful when I say this. I want you to hear my heart. I really believe that there's some prayers that don't get answered because we don't pray together. 
There, there, there is something about when we come together or when you involve other people into your life to intercede and believe with you. Let me tell you, amazing things happen. And I can remember when, when I was a young kid being in church and I didn't even want to be in church like some of you youth are going through right now. And, but I remember that, 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 that the ladies of the church and my mom, the, the church my mom went to, and they were all just, they were praying. And I remember them just interceding all the time, even for the ones that weren't, weren't there. And, and, and I could just see as, as a consequence, here I am laughing at that, thinking that it's nothing. And here I am standing today in front of you preaching the gospel that I used to laugh about. Because somebody was on their knees and they prayed for me, they intercede. And, and I know a lot of times we say things like, you know, I'll pray for you. How many of you have ever told somebody that? How many of you have ever told somebody you pray for them, but you didn't really pray for them? <clears throat> or you forgot. You probably had good intentions, I suppose. But I want to move away from that being somewhat of sort of a, a cliche, something that we say into something where, 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 whereby it's reality that, that we actually pray and intercede for one another because I believe in doing that, we'll begin to see God's presence manifest even more. I'm of the opinion that God, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that what he did back then, God can still do today. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm of that opinion. I'm not one of those that believe that God has just stopped doing whatever. Until I read in the Bible that God says I'm stopping, I'm not going to stop believing. I'm going to keep believing him. And I know part of my destiny, hear me, is tied to your destiny. Part of me being who I am is you laboring with me, us in prayer together. You, brother, sister, I need you to pray for me right now. I'm going through a moment. My wife, my marriage is on the brink. I'm having a difficult time emotionally. I'm having a financial problem. I, I, I need you to, to pray with me because I feel like I'm at the breaking point. Let me tell you something, church. The devil don't want us to get a, a revelation of the power of intercessory prayer. But we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to understand that, for example, that Jesus did a, Jesus himself did a lot of interceding for his disciples. Throughout the, all of the Gospels, as you read them, you see Jesus constantly. And the one big prayer he did was in John chapter 17, right before he left. He just kind of prayed and, and interceded for them because, I mean, though, the disciples were a mess. Anybody say amen to that? How many know that, that you're a mess too? <laughs> you, you, I really got an amen on that one. And so, so if, if you're like me, you know that you need somebody to be praying for you. Because God has designed the body to not function alone. He's designed us to function in a context by which we are relating to one another and, and actually uh, uh, relating in such a way that we're pouring ourselves into each other and we're praying together, bringing more energy, more synergy, which would give us the kind of results that we are believing God for. And so we talk about this subject of intercession. Let me give you just kind of a brief definition. I give you a, a verse that, that talks about it. There's a couple of verses in the New Testament that actually use that word intercession, but it means to speak to someone on behalf of someone else. All right? To speak to someone. Oftentimes you'll find that when people know that you have a relationship with God and that you're walking with God and you're not making it a secret, 
Sometimes when they get in trouble, and some of you know what I'm talking about, they'll come to you and say, can you do me a favor? Can you pray for me? Anybody ever had that happen? They ask you to pray for them because they know and they believe that you have some kind of relationship with God where you're communicating and, and, and they need that extra boost of prayer. And so they will come to you. Intercession is the idea of standing in the gap. It's a go between that person and God. A great example that I could probably give you is in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. It's a beautiful picture of that. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, a lot of people want to relegate that to simply just speaking in tongues, but I think it's, I think it's deeper than that. I believe a lot of times we don't really know how to pray as we ought to pray. And, and, and it's a wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit, a lot of times, would take the prayers that we're praying and, 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 and he would fashion them in a way that, that, that to God that will get the kind of results that ultimately God want to get for all of our lives. So the Holy Spirit is kind of like that go-between. And, and we're called to do the same thing one for another. We are called to, to, to go between, to intercede for one another. First Timothy chapter two. And I read this a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I'll read this verse again before we jump into uh, Moses intercessory prayer. It says first Timothy chapter two, verses one and three. Therefore, um, this is Paul talking to young Timothy, a preacher. Uh, Paul says, I exhort, first of all, that supplications supplication means simply it's earnest prayer, prayer with heart, prayer with emotion, fervent prayer. Paul says, first of all, that, 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 uh, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions. That we're intercessions, again, is praying and interceding for those who either have a relationship with God, even those who don't have a relationship with God. Paul says, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. So Paul is encouraging us as the people of God that we are to pray and intercede. And I've said before, if we spent more time praying for our leaders rather than trying to win a political argument, perhaps we would have people would get saved. People's lives would change. In fact, can I ask you that question? Do, do you pray more than you talk about who's leading the country? Just a thought for all of us. Because how many know ultimately God is in sovereign control? Y'all, y'all, we do realize this. But, 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 but he, he's asked us to pray. He says our prayers can make the difference. Our prayers, our intercessions can be a game changer. Ephesians 6, 18, Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. He says, be watchful to this end. Watch this. With all perseverance. In other words, prayer does take work. It's not always easy. That's why Jesus says that you got to do it. And don't faint. Don't give up. He said, with all perseverance and supplication, what? For all the saints. So here's his call again to intercede and to, to pray for one another. There is a, a strong call that Paul is giving to us that we ought to take this seriously. See, this verse, and I read it, it, it suggests to me that without each other's prayers, things will be more challenging. We must learn, we must learn to make praying for one another a top priority. How many of you have ever felt the prayers of other people? Let me just, I'm just asking, how many of you have ever felt, I mean, you literally felt, you just knew. Can I say something and don't take it the wrong way? 
I can, I can sense sometimes when, when the church, when the people are praying for me. I can sense sometimes when, when they're not. I can, there have been times, man, I got on the phone and I've called several people and I said, I need you to intercede, I need you to pray for me because of whatever the situation is. And it's something about that, 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 that I have a sense of because I believe it's spiritual at the core. It's spiritual. Romans chapter 15, verse 30 through 31 says, Paul says, now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, He's pleading and through the love of the spirit that you strive together with me in your prayer. Strive. Everybody say strive. That means to strain. He says strive with me. Now, why? Why is this so important to Paul? Because in order Paul knew that, that he needed the prayers of the saints to get him over. He, he knew this. And he says, I need you. I don't believe Paul or any of the disciples or the apostles were simply saying these things just by way of because they had nothing else to say. He was saying these things. He was like saying these things because I really need you to join in with me. I need you to pray. Why, did I need, why was Paul saying I need you to pray that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe and that, they, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Paul's life was constantly hanging in the balance. He was constantly under threat because he was so committed to preaching the gospel that Paul said, I need y'all to pray because there are some people out there that want to kill me. There's some people out there that want me destroyed because I've decided to take a stand for Jesus. How many know that not everybody going to love you when you're trying to walk with Jesus? Y'all understand that, right? It shouldn't be rocket science to us. And so we, we see that this kind of a pattern and that, and that we're called to, to pray. We're called to intercede for one another. And so this brings us down to the situation here with Moses. And so we're going to talk about Moses' intercessory prayer. Now, the children of Israel, let me kind of give you somewhat of a background. The nation of Israel had just been delivered from Pharaoh. Pharaoh's army, you know, and all the, you know, God did all the plagues and, you know, he had them, they saw the, the fire and the pillar of fire and the, the cloud leading them by day and night. Uh, they experienced, they saw God turn the water uh, into blood. And when they were in Egypt, we, they saw all the, the flies, they saw all the different things. And obviously the ultimate miracle that we saw is that when the children of Israel back was up against the wall, they were standing in front of the Red Sea. God opened up that Red Sea so that they could walk on dry land. How many of you know that would have been an amazing thing to see? Uh, but, but God, so, so they, they're at the brink. Now, I would think, I'm just, I'm just thinking that, you know, and I, that had I been the one that saw God do that, I, I would like to think that I wouldn't have doubted him anymore. Y'all follow what I'm saying? I mean, I, you know, I'm seeing this, this Red Sea thing, and we're walking on dry ground, and God drowned all Pharaoh's army. So these, these, they are coming off of the brink of all of that. God moving, God doing miraculous things in their lives. And so as they're going on their journey, they, you know, they start complaining here and there. They, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't have water quick enough. They didn't have the same kind of food. They had just gone from a little bit of steak to, to hot dog and pork and beans or whatever. And so they were complaining to Moses. They didn't like it. And all of this has just started to happen very, very shortly after they come up out of Egypt. And so Moses now, Moses goes up to the mountain. Mount Sinai, he, he begins to pray and he's seeking God. He's there for an extended period of time where God basically gives him the Ten Commandments. And so the people now, they have been waiting on Moses for a long time. So they become impatient. Everybody say impatient. impatient. Oh, don't we get impatient sometimes when God don't move quick enough? 
<laughs> sometimes, how many of you just been waiting for God to move for a long time? And, and sometimes you're like, God. So, so the children of Israel, they find themselves in this situation. So Moses now is supposed to go up there. He's praying. He's, Moses is with the Lord. And the people are like, okay, what's up? Now, it's been like, how many days? 25, 30, 40. It's been a long time. Where is brother Moses? They're getting a little bit impatient, right? They weren't feeling God's presence and seeing that God was far away from them. We all, we all experience that from time to time. And so they go to brother Aaron, who was Moses' assistant. They said, Moses, they said, Aaron, we, we don't know what happened to Moses. We, we don't know. We've been down here waiting for a long time. Um, you know, uh, we, we, need to, uh, we need to make us a, another a God. I, I have a hard time understanding that. Because we just saw all those miracles that God did. And now you're saying we, we want you to make us a God because of Moses. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know what's of Moses. And what do, you, what do you think Aaron does? Aaron then says, okay, do me a favor. Bring me all your gold earrings and, and throw them in the fire. And then we'll fashion, we'll make you another God to worship. And obviously they were forbidden to worship any kind of idols and so they made this idol and and basically Aaron was helping them to do it and then they begin to break out and they begin to worship this golden calf they called it I mean and to the degree that they started partying they started getting drunk start committing acts of immorality I mean they have just gone all in everybody say all in they just went all into this thing because, God, we don't know where you at, and Moses is supposed to be our leader, so then we're just going to go back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're going to go back to our old ways. We're going to revert back. We're going we're gonna to go back to some things because we don't know what's happening. So while Moses is up there worshiping God, and just enjoying the presence of God, and God has given Moses instruction for his people. God alert Moses. God says, and I'm just paraphrasing here. You'll find this in Exodus chapter 32. God paraphrased. God says, okay, Moses, I want you to go down. Get down because your people. Everybody say, your people. Now, you know God was mad at him because he said, Moses, your people. You know, I get, I get mad at my wife or, you know, one of us get mad at our kids. We say, baby, come get your boy. You know, come get your daughter. Come get it because I'm about, you know. And, and, and so God was upset. And God said, Moses, your people have then corrupted themselves. You need to get down off this mountain and you need to go deal with this. And God instructed Moses to go down. And so Moses, go down. I want you to look at this is uh, Exodus 32 verses 9 and 10. And the Lord said to Moses, watch this church. I've seen this people. Here's what God said after he saw them doing what they did. Now remember, before you, before you kind of start prejudging this thing. Remember all that God had done for them, all that God had brought them through. Remember that now. So God says in Exodus chapter 32 verses 9 and 10, and the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people and indeed it is a stiff necked people. In other words, they, they're hard headed. They don't listen. Now, therefore, this is God talking. Let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Now, let me, let me translate what that means. <laughs> what God was simply saying was, Moses, get out of the way. I'm about to kill every one of them. I'm going to start all over again with you. Wow. How many know God was pretty upset at this point? 
And so there are some things now. We're going to kind of look at Moses' prayer of intercession here because Moses replied to this in a very, very uh, uh, unique way, in a very godly way. And Moses gives us some insight into his mind as it relates to interceding because Moses could have went along with God. And we'll find out there. Here, we'll find out. We'll look at that here in a moment. But, but Moses could have, could have kind of went along with that because, you know, the, the children of Israel, they got on Moses. They got on his nerve, too, <laughs> you know, and, and throughout the whole thing. I mean, they made it hard for old brother Moses. So so Moses could have very easily said, hey, OK, yeah, God, let's let's do this. But we're going to learn some things about how Moses handled this. First thing is. Moses pleaded with God not to allow his anger to forfeit his promise. See, in verse number 11, then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God. God, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? In other words, God, why, why are you so angry? God, Moses, he began to plead. That word plead is it's an emotional appeal because God had just told Moses, I'm going to wipe him out. But Moses then, he goes into this kind of an intercession where he's saying, God, I implore you, I beg you, I petition you, don't do this. You see, whenever we are interceding for people, a lot of times we're pleading for God to move on their behalf. We're asking God, God, please, Lord God, don't let my son die. Don't let my cousin die. Don't let my neighbor, don't let my friend die from drug abuse. Uh, Lord God, please save my son. Save my daughter. God, please. Moses goes into this kind of a pleading for the people. And we see that Moses really cared. And, and we also see that Moses reminded God that his name would be at stake. Look at this. And this is verse number 12. This is wonderful. Moses said this to God. He's interceding for the people. He says, why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn, Lord, from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm that you were going to do to your people. So we see that Moses now He's taking it to a whole nother level. He's reminding God. He's saying, God, if you do this, remember, you, part, of what, you know, part of what God did when he, he brought the people through that, uh, that Red Sea was God made a name for himself. I mean, throughout all generations, we've been talking about this Red Sea. And so Moses now was appealing to the fact, and this is why God could trust Moses, and hopefully why he can trust us, because what Moses was concerned about was God's name. He says, God, if you did this, then all the people, they're going to talk about you. I mean, that you said, God, that you will bring them out. Now they're going to say, God, you couldn't bring them out. And in fact, God, you brought them out here to kill them because you couldn't pull it off. Moses began to plead with God because he has that kind of relationship with God. But see, when we are interceding, and, 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 and by the way, let me hasten to say, it's all about relationship. See, the more you pray, the more you talk with God, you develop that kind of relationship with God, then, then you almost like you identify with, with his nature, who he is. And Moses was more concerned about, God, how the people will perceive your name because, God, your name, you're tied into this. In other words, God, whatever happens here is going to affect what people say about you. Now, now, now this is a man that understood the nature of God. And when we're interceding for other people, church, one of the things that we can learn from this is that we want God to know that, that, that we want him to be glorified. See, it's all about, it's all about God's glory. 
And Moses was concerned about God's glory. How many know that we ought to be concerned as Christians about how we represent our God? Y'all understand what I'm saying? Because for a lot of people, you are the only Bible that people will ever read. And, and a lot of times, I don't want to be one of those to call somebody not to come to Jesus because they looked at me and my lifestyle. And they, and they said, man, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to come. I, I don't want to be one of those. How many know that we ought to care about our God and how we represent him? The Paul said it this way. You have been bought with a price. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't belong to yourself. <laughs> no, you don't belong. It's not your life. Your life, you died hidden with Christ. You're a Christian now. You belong to him. Moses cared about God so much. He was like, God, this is your name. God, don't do this. I want you to peer into this relationship that Moses had with God. Moses demonstrated a kind of unselfishness. And this is big when it comes to intercession because we're interceding for other people it's, it's not about us. We're, we're really praying for the other person. We really care for the other person. So God says to Moses, God says, Moses, all right, get out of the way. Let me alone because I'm about to wipe all these people out. Now, you remember I said a moment ago that Moses had good reason to kind of say, hey, you know, I think that's a good idea. I mean, you're going to wipe them out. You're going to start all over with me. All right, God, let's let's do that. You see, this was Moses. I believe this was Moses's finest moment of all the things that Moses did in scripture. Moses did a lot of great things and, and we can read about all the things that Moses did. I believe that Moses gets we, we get to peer into the character of Moses. Moses could have said right then and there yes God start all over with me. I'm your boy. Yeah that'd, that'd be cool just like you did with Noah. Cool God start with me. But no Moses says no I'm not doing that. Moses goes into this plea and saying, God don't do it. Because how many know that Moses truly did care about the people? And I believe that's why God, that's why God just opened up to Moses so much. You know, the Bible says that God didn't speak to anybody like he spoke to Moses. He spoke to Moses face to face. Did everybody else, you remember when I believe it was uh, uh, Miriam, his sister, and I think it was Aaron, they was gossiping and talking. He's, God showed up. God said, well, why, 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 are you, why weren't you afraid to talk? to talk about my servant. I, see, I talk to everybody else in dreams and parables, but to him, I speak face to face. Moses was a man who was totally unselfish. See, when we're interceding for people, how many know, church, we got to be totally unselfish. It's not about us. It's about what God wants to do in and through them. Moses wasn't trying to make a name for himself. I believe the essence of Christianity is sacrificing your life over and over again. Sacrificing what you want for, for what God wants. And Moses exhibited this in a very real way. He was totally unselfish. He genuinely cared for the people. There was no selfish motive with Moses. He, he wasn't praying that God, will, God, will, the, the, the God will, will, would help him to to, to, to win an argument or, you know, like some people do today, you know, they get upset at somebody or, or let's just say they really feel strongly about a thing and they want God to convince the other person that they're right. You know, there's no selfish mode. It's not about you. See, when you're interceding for people, it's all about, brother, I, I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God work in your life. In other words, there's no selfish motive 
in intercession. Intercession is, is, is you, you come out of yourself. And this is what Moses did. It was absolutely amazing. And then we see in verse number 12, Moses was a very, he was very bold in his intercession. He tells God in uh, verse 12, in the latter part of the verse, he's told God, he says, Lord, turn from your fierce wrath and relent from the harm that you thought to do to your people. So we see here that Moses' prayer was very bold. And I believe Moses was bold in his prayer because Moses knew, number one, that he was praying within the confines of the will of God. He had a relationship with God. And I believe that when it comes to intercession, we need to learn to be bold. In fact, as we study all these prayers, we see that there's humility. We see that there's no pride. But what we do see is that common thread that when people pray, there was a certain boldness that they utilized. And Moses was very bold in his prayer. And in fact, Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now listen to that. He says, now, let us therefore come boldly. Everybody say boldly. To the throne of grace. And why? Why do you want to come boldly? He said, well, if you want mercy, if you want to find grace, come boldly. That's the way we should approach the throne of God. Moses was very bold because Moses understood the heart of God and Moses knew he was praying in the will of God. In fact, whenever you believe that you're praying in the will of God and you're praying according to his word, you need to be bold in that prayer. You can be firm. You can be bold, just like Moses was here in verse number 12. And then we see that Moses in verse 13, we see that Moses reminded God of his covenant. These are some things that we're learning. Remember we said last week that Jehoshaphat kind of did the same thing. He reminded God of what he said and he reminded God of what he did of old and he brought that back into play. And we see the same thread here with Moses as he's interceding for the people. It says in verse 13, and here's Moses talking to God. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and you said to them, I will multiply your descendants of the stars of heaven and then and all this land that I have spoken of, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So we see that Moses, again, as he is praying to God, he's reminding God of what he said. He's reminding God of his covenant. And I said before, this is why I think it's so important to learn and study the Bible. It's important to have a, a biblical perspective because the more you become familiar with the Bible, the more you're going to come familiar with what God wants. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Because if you don't know the Bible, and if you just kind of go by what you think and what you see, how many know you get yourself in trouble? Amen. And a lot of people do that. They, a lot of times they'll pray and, and they'll ask God for something that's totally outside the will of God because they don't understand the biblical context. So, so in part, so understanding the word of God, it, it, it gives me that insight so that when I pray, I can call back to what God said. And here Moses said, God, remember what you did. You made a promise to Abraham or Isaac and all those. And you said you was going to give them this land. God, you can't do this. Don't let that happen. And how many know that God will always honor his word? This is why it's important to recite it back. 
This is why I believe it's a good idea to even pray the word of God sometimes. Sometimes I'll take the book of Psalms uh, because the book of Psalms, a lot of times there's a lot of prayers there. And I will just pray those prayers back to God. I'm, I'm praying back his word because the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. But my word is going to be here forever. So then that means that I have confidence in his word and, and, and I know that God will always honor his word. And so I want to pray his word. I want to remind God of what he said, just like Moses did here. And then we also see that Moses, as we're moving forward, that Moses also confessed the sins of the people and he requested forgiveness. Look at verse number. And we're going to go down a little bit. And this is verse number 31. Then Moses uh, returned to the Lord and said, oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. A lot of times we've had people in our church even that I pray for a lot and I pray for all of you. You must believe that. I think about you often. You're always in my prayer. Sometimes I call you all individually by name. Sometimes I don't. But I cover everybody every day in prayer. Uh, I take that very, very seriously. But there are times when I'm praying for someone and I know what their struggles are. And then I pray and I was just like Moses, did, I'll confess for them because sometimes people, um, they don't understand. Sometimes people are not walking with God the way that they should or maybe they're bound by some kind of uh, drug or maybe they're in a situation where they're just walking in such a, a thick darkness. So a lot of times when I'm interceding for people, I will pray that God will forgive them. So if you have somebody that you're praying for, one of the things you want to pray, if you know they're doing wrong and not obeying God, then because they're probably not in a position to confess. Because, first of all, you and I both know that the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. And so one of the things we do is we want to be like Moses. We want to confess sins, not want to confess our own sins, but if we're interceding for somebody. We want to say, Lord, Lord, you know, my brother didn't do this. Or, Lord, you know, they did that. They, they, they responded the wrong way. So we want to confess. We always want to be in agreement with God because we understand that God is a God of truth. And, uh, and so we always have to honor the truth when we're praying. But Moses confessed the sins of the people. He requested, he said, God, please forgive them. And that's one of the things that we can do when we're interceding for others. And then uh, lastly, look at verse number 14 here. It says, so the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Now, I want us to park right there for a moment because this is significant. So Moses sees what's going on with the people. God basically says, Moses, step out of the way. I'm going to wipe him out. Now, how many know that God don't make idle threats? God is not a man that he should lie. So I believe that when God said what he said that he was going to do to him, because we know he did it before, right? Who did God do this with before in the Bible? He started all over. Anybody remember who that was? It was Noah. You remember he started all, the Bible said he grieved that he had made men. He started all over with Noah. So God would have been perfectly justified to do the same thing because Moses was a descendant of Abraham and all of those. So God could have did the same thing he did with Noah. He could have did here. God would have been totally justified. God didn't do it. Moses steps up and he, because he interceded, he, 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 in other words, he stood between the people and God and he began to plead on their behalf. Now, let me tell you what's significant about that, because this is so important. So in other words, so we're talking about intercession. I believe this, this is what I personally believe in all of my study of scripture. I'll just share this with you. I believe 
that had Moses not prayed that prayer, that God would have probably went ahead and did what he had thought to do because God would have still been in compliance with what he said he was going to do with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God would have still been able to fulfill that if he had started again with Moses. But I believe that because of Moses' prayer, it stopped God. God really did change his mind and say, you know what, I'm not going to do it. Now, that tells me a couple of things. Here's what it tells me. Are y'all still listening? Say amen to me. Say amen. So what this tells me is God has built in flexibility now. Watch this. Within the purview of his sovereignty, within the, the purview of his will, God has built in for all of his people flexibility so that our prayers can change the course of a situation. In this particular case, it changed Moses' prayer changed God's mind. How many know that's powerful? That's the power of intercession. So watch this. So God has already allotted. So a lot of times, I believe you heard me say this at the beginning. I'll say it again. That, that I believe that sometimes things don't happen because we don't intercede. We don't pray. Because a lot of, uh, we, we, a lot of us have this kind of a, what, what word I want to use? We have this kind of an attitude where God's going to do what he's going to do, whatever, 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 you know. And, 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 and we never ever think, you know, maybe I can go to God and just maybe I'll pray and maybe God will change it. Maybe God was thinking that he was going to do this, but my prayer will make the difference. In fact, um, there's another uh, a verse I think about, and uh, I believe it's in Acts chapter 12. You remember that some of you who know your Bible, uh, Peter was locked up in prison for preaching. And the Bible says that the church prayed all night. In other words, they intercede. God, bring Peter out. God, deliver him. God, bring him out. God, bring him out. And all of a sudden, something supernatural happened. An angel came and brought Peter out of the prison. Peter come to the door, and the same folk that had been praying and believing God and interceding, they didn't even believe what they saw because God had worked the miracle. And I believe that had those people not prayed for Peter, then perhaps Peter would have stayed. But because God has built in this flexibility for you and me. And God is saying to us that our intercessions, our prayers could change a circumstance. It could change a situation. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, church. We don't have to just settle. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? Oh, gosh. I, I know. I know. So how many of you believe that God still heals? I don't believe. Listen, listen. There have been people I pray for that God heal and they still die. I get it. I know some of you would say, some of you, oh, God. But, you know, there have been people I prayed for and God healed them. So here's what I know. I know that my prayer and intercession had the capability to change. So why am I going to sit back and just, you know, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever's going to happen, whatever. And I think a lot of times, church, here's what I believe is happening. A lot of times we're missing out on opportunities because simply we don't have faith to believe and intercede that God will change it. Y'all hear what I'm saying? How many know that God can change your situation? Some of you right now, you, you've been stuck in some things for a long time, and you've already have packed it in. You said, you set up your thing. You're like, I'm done. I'm just going to have to be this way. It's not going to change. I want to say, look, the devil is a lie. As long as you still got breath, as long, God, as long as God is still on the throne, you ought to keep praying. But pastor, ain't nothing happened yet. Keep praying. Men are always pray, Luke chapter 18. Men are always pray and never what? Faint. Don't faint. See, Moses didn't settle. Moses didn't have this attitude. Oh, I'm just going to sit down and just do nothing and just let God wipe them out. Moses, oh, no, no, no. I love these people. They get on my nerve. <laughs> 
How many know what I'm talking about? They get on my nerve. They wear me out. But Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that God, I'm going to ask him because who knows? Y'all remember David prayed the same thing? When David lost the child that he and Bathsheba had gotten through that, through that, uh, that immorality, that adultery that he committed. And, and, and you remember David was fasting and praying. David was so sick. They, they, David wouldn't even eat for days. And, and, and they said, David, and then, but then soon as the baby died, they came and told David, said, the baby died. David gets up and then David starts eating. He eats. Well, they, 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 they're baffled. They're like, well, wait a minute, King David, when he was praying, I mean, you know, and, and the baby was living, and, you know, he wouldn't eat. But now we know for sure he's definitely going to eat. No, no. David got up and he ate. And we you know what David said. He said, who knows whether or not God would have mercy or who knows if God would not bring that, heal that baby and make it well. Who knows? Church, y'all hear what I'm trying to say this morning. Who knows what God will do? Here's what I'm going to, I'm going to intercede. It doesn't matter. I'm going to pray. I'm going to keep on praying because what I see here is that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. The, the fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And so here's the thing. Here's what I want you to, I want, I want you to walk away with. The intercession and praying for other people is powerful. You ought to do it often. Pray for other people. And not only that, church, I want you to go and whatever you're going through, find somebody else in this house outside this house, this church, and get them to pray and agree with you. Let me give you an example. I'm going to close with this example. Come on out, Brother Jay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to close with this example. Um, a few, uh, not too long ago, uh, some of you remember the uh, Boston family uh, that was here. Uh, they left a couple of years ago, but he was a high-ranking, uh, he was in the military, in the Marine Corps, and he got orders to go to uh, California. Uh, I, I believe San Diego, California. So there was a part of our church, and they were here. And um, so he's, um, they're serving, his family's serving in the church, and they're singing and all of that. And, and you know, they get orders, and he got to leave. And uh, so one day, so this was like maybe like a, a month or so, a couple of months before he left. So he put his house on the market. And so he comes to church one Sunday morning, and, uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm walking to the office, and I look out of the door, and this is, this is a fact. So I look out of the door, and, and I see him just kind of outside by himself. And he's just walking around. He's got his, he's walking. He looks like he just, something was on his brain. So I'm in the middle of trying to prepare and all that, and I got a lot of things. But I said, the Lord said, you need to go out there. And so I just sensed the Lord was wanting me to go talk to him, so I went out and talked to him. I said, brother, what's going on with you? Um, he said, he's a, he's a pastor that got a lot on my head. He says, you know, I got a lot going on. He says, and I, I just can't, he said, a lot of things are contingent upon this house being sold. And right now, I don't know, we've had it on the market for a few months. Nothing is happening. Nobody's biting. Nothing is happening. And, and uh, he don't know what to do. I said to him, I said, I tell you what. I said, I don't know why that's happening, but I tell you what. I'm going to pray and believe God with you. I'm going to intercede with you. In fact, I took his hand right outside the door, right out here. I took his hand and I prayed. And we prayed that God would, would give him a, get him a sale to that house. And uh, I want to say, I don't remember exactly, because I haven't had a chance to talk with him because he's, he's now in open hours. He's at, you know. So he texted me within like a day or two. And he was in total disbelief because it's never happened to him before. So he had come from an environment that, you know, didn't believe in a lot of, uh, that God could do certain things. So 
if y'all know what I mean. So he was very, very conservative in his belief. So I said, brother, I, you know, I just took his hand. I said, let's pray. And I was, like I said, within a day or two, he texted me. He was a, he said, I can't believe it. He said, Pastor, you would not believe it. The house just sold today. He'd been on the market for a couple of months. The house, so when, and all I did was I grabbed his hand and I prayed with him. And God taught him, and he said, man, that taught me a valuable lesson. Now, before, he was trying to carry that all on himself, but it was, it was when he actually went and said, Pastor, I'm going to bring, he allowed me in. Look at your name and say, allow me in. See, you got to open your life to people. Some of you walk around here, you got stuff going on, and you don't tell nobody. Then all of a sudden, you blow up, and everybody trying to figure out, why are you upset? Because you've been sitting on this for years. And you, you're going to church. Why are you going to church? Part of, part of your heritage is our relationships. We should be able to talk to each other about stuff we're going on. How many know this should be a safe place? Or you can come and share your problems, share your issues, and not worry about me judging you. Brother, I need you to pray for me because I'm having a struggle this week. Man, I, I had a hard time, man. I, was, I saw this lady, man, and I'm telling you, brother, I, you know, stuff's happening. I, I need you to pray. I, I don't know, Pastor. I mean, I, you know, I'm at work and I was at the point I was about to go off on somebody and, and you know, and I thought about harming them in a very significant way. I, I need you to pray. I need you to intercede. If we begin to do that, intercede for one another. Pray that God will move. Pray for your family. Pray for your sons. Pray for your daughters. Pray for one another. The power of intercession. We've already seen what God did with Moses. How many know God will do with you? He'll do the same thing with you. If, but you got to have an attitude. What if? Because you don't know. What if, what if God just decided to hear your prayer and move? How ecstatic and how excited would you be? You'd be like, man, you'd be running up here, man. Let me, let me give you a test. I believe we don't have many testimonies because we don't have really people. We're not acting like a community. We're not inviting the presence and power of God to come in our, our situation. I really hope and pray that, uh, that y'all come to a consecration week. I really hope. Because I'm believing God. I'm praying into that week that God will show up and that he will do something in all of your lives that you will really look at prayer never the same again. That you would say, man, I, man, this is different. But you got to come with faith. You got to come with faith. And you got to stay with it. Everybody say stay with it. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Father in Jesus.